and welcome back to the Novelty Podcast. My name is Mar. And I'm Sadie. And this is the podcast where we read the book so you don't have to. We read novels, but we also, I mean, this week is a novel. We're reading a novel this week. But we also read all kinds of books. We'll read self-help books. We'll read essays. We'll read memoirs. Just whatever we think is interesting that we think you might also find interesting as well. Um, but yeah, this week's book is drumroll, the perks of being a wallflower. Come on. And Mar, we know we've known about this book. Mm-hmm. Like this is not like a hot take. <laughs> like, this book is like been around. Um, I guess what what were your thoughts, first impressions, thinking about this book? So I was excited to get into this book um, because I had grown up watching the movie mm-hmm. and wait, by grown wait, up pause. i mean by 12 yeah, how old are you? i was 12 <laughs> i was 17 when this movie came out and you were 12 i was 12. that's insane <laughs> in case you want to know how old our mm-hmm. age gap is mm-hmm. is that um so but yeah i was super excited because i had only ever watched the movie which mm-hmm. i think around that age like i wasn't really reading like a lot of books at least right. not books like this yeah and so i was very intrigued to like know the differences that's like one of my favorite things Mm -hmm. my mom used to make us read the books before we could go watch the movie and so somewhere along there i just stopped doing that so it was fun to do it again yeah no i definitely thought i'd never read the book either and i'd watched the movie and i remember it being iconic Mm -hmm. like i just remember this being a hugely and widely talked about movie but i never read the book or thought about that it came from book i knew it was based off of a book um, but then when I looked into, when we were talking about wanting to read this book, and I looked into how popular it was, it sold over a million copies. Yeah. And that's insane to me. That's so crazy to me. And I think I w- didn't realize how it was like so, it was viewed so controversially mm-hmm. because it's a coming of age story. It's about a young, a very young person. It starts in, opens in middle school, like the day before he starts his first year of high school. So I just thought like, very it was yeah it was surprising to me how popular it was for some mm-hmm. and controversial it was as well but yeah i had only ever watched the movie but i've completely forgotten the movie because i watched it once when i was 17 yeah and i have not watched it again and so i kind of completely read this book with like fresh eyes with no i think i remember one scene from the movie but yeah i thought it was it was really it was interesting. It was deep. I mean, we do obviously have to give a freaking trigger warning, guys. We're sorry. We're going to stop picking so many crazy books because honestly, when I picked it again, I completely forgot mm-hmm. because I'd only watched it once eight years ago. Every book that we've picked so far that has a trigger warning on it, we had no idea. We really had no idea like no. it would need a trigger warning. No. But here's the thing, too. I think it is important to you can't avoid we were yeah. just talking about this you can't avoid at, at the li- the kind of books we want to read and the books are well written and interesting mm-hmm. i mean they're gonna deal with heavier themes sometimes mm-hmm. because when you're younger you're reading um young adult fiction you're mm-hmm. reading lighter reads you're reading fantasy and not that we maybe won't ever read that but that's not the kind of books we typically yeah. gravitate towards so some of the books we do pick are going to be a little bit deeper but we are gonna light it up we're mm-hmm. gonna try and pick a few easy freezy reads but yeah the trigger warnings for this book um i mean i'm sure if you've watched the movie 
or read the book or haven't but just heard of it. The trigger warnings are mental health. It talks a lot about mental health, um, substance misuse, assault, abuse, and it opens with um, kind of a discussion of suicide. Mm -hmm. So just so you guys know, that is the trigger warning. Just so you're aware that we will be talking about those themes. Not again, we, we try not to go into like explicit detail. Yeah like the book or the movie because we just feel like you know ultimately sometimes it's like unnecessary but we are going to talk about those themes so again if you have little kids or this is just not the isn't maybe not like the light light breezy yeah not the car ride type of episode if you got kids in the car yeah but yeah i mean so this book like we said sold over a million copies is written by steven chbosky i'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce his name Um, But basically, it's a story that follows this kid named Charlie through his freshman year of high school. Um, It's broken up into four parts, which I think is semesters. Mm -hmm. But I really don't. It doesn't really specify. I really didn't even think about that. But honestly, it would make sense because it starts at the beginning of the school year and ends with him. Yeah. At the end of it. Right. But and I think so it's all written in letter format. Mm-hmm. Which the movie, okay, so basically, since I remember nothing of the, <laughs> the movie, Mar is going to be more help when it comes to movie references. But I'm pretty sure in the movie, it's not at all even like that. It doesn't even talk about any kind of letters, right? Yes, it does. Oh. So okay. he's still writing. <laughs> so he is still writing and he kind of like narrates throughout of it. So oh. the beginning of the story, kind of talk how we talked about suicide, starts off with Charlie um, kind of losing his well, he is. He's losing his friend named Michael, mm-hmm. um, who committed suicide, which he had to hear through a friend. It was like gossip at the lunch table um, that his friend had committed suicide. The principal went over the loudspeaker and then they kind of had like a meeting with people that were like the closest friends of him. And he then he goes into starting writing letters. But uh, he, this does happen in the movie as okay. well. But the difference is in the movie is like kind of and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong in the comments or whatever you got going on in there. Uh, <laughs> is that because even my husband remembers this it this way is that the letters are kind of addressed to Michael to kind of catch him up about what is going on in his life and everything that Michael's missing but in the book we don't really know who these letters are addressed to yeah it's so confusing because I feel like that's actually a huge part of it because he kind of opens up being like I don't want to name names I don't want to be specific in his letter he says that but then even at the very end, I mean, we can get to it later, but it just kind of talks about the idea of alluding to, yeah, it talks about alluding to like who this person is that he's writing to because they're all addressed to dear friend. Yeah. And at the start, you kind of think, oh, maybe it is, you know, maybe it's a diary or maybe it's addressed to Michael. Like those are what I thought of like, oh, it could be, like could be he literally or letters for something. Now, I don't know, but mm-hmm. it's not very specific. But then, yeah, we can get into it later, I guess. But the ending of like, he kind of, yeah, he tries to make it, he makes it confusing, I guess, of yeah. who I think it's I think to. I think it's a good thing to start off with, though, because it's like everything that he's writing, he's kind of catching you up with what has already happened in his life. So it's not really present when we're finding out about mm-hmm. it. And so I just did a little research on like, who is this dear friend? Okay. And basically, a lot of people just believe that it's us like he's writing to the writer because throughout the story he like he mails the letter which made me realize that it's not a diary right you know i was and then he also later says like please don't think that i just picked your 
address from the yellow pages like you mean a lot to me and so but he never says who it's to but it just shows that it's not Michael and it's not someone that's really been introduced in the story and so a lot of people believe Mm -hmm. that it's a way for you to feel connected to Charlie because he's letting you know what's going on in his life but it's honestly kind of the big question that no one no there's not really an answer for it right yeah because at the end I mean I read well spoiler i thought i read the last page of this book until (laughs) two minutes before we started recording and then i realized i missed the epilogue which is literally the whole culmination of the book yeah so but i basically read what i thought was the last page of this book a million times because i thought it was i thought if i read it hard enough it would show me who he was writing to because he said like you just mentioned he said he writes I don't want you to think I picked your name out of a phone book. It would kill me if you thought that. So please believe me when I tell you that I felt terrible after Michael died, which was his middle school friend. And I saw a girl in class who didn't notice me. And she talked all about you to a friend of hers. And even though I didn't know you, I felt like I did because you sounded like such a good person. The kind of person who wouldn't wouldn't mind receiving letters from a kid. Mm-hmm. The kind of person who would understand how they were better than a diary because there is communion and a diary can be found. Mm-hmm. I just don't want you to worry about me or think that you've met me or waste your time anymore. So it's just, it's just so confusing because yeah. it's like I kept reading that. I mean, like, wait a minute. So it's a friend of Michael's. Mm-hmm. And she was talking all about this one person. I don't know. So maybe I think it is supposed to be just written to like the reader, like yeah. a dear reader situation. As if it's like putting you in the story. Yeah. Because how he writes, and we'll, yeah, we'll get into it later, but how he writes is he writes like this person that's receiving these letters have never heard this before, would be confused yeah. actually to be getting yeah. these letters. I was like, could you imagine being the person receiving these letters and like, who is this 15-year-old boy? And is he okay? Mm-hmm. Like, is he okay? Are you good? Yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, I do think that is definitely one of like the big, the whole book is structured that way. And so you're kind of just, I mean, and obviously that's not the point mm-hmm. of it, right? The point is the story, but it, it definitely opens and ends making you try to figure out like, well, who is this to? Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I think ultimately it's placing you as the reader in the story so that you can become closer to the situations that he's going through and empathize more. And Yeah, but it it's really good. I mean, so what was some of your, like, what was your favorite and least favorite part of the book? And I guess, do you feel like that's the same in the movie or not? Oh, this is a good question. Mm-hmm. My favorite and least favorite part of the book. Yeah. And is it the same as the movie? Yeah. Like, do you think it's like, would be different if you're watching, like when you watch the movie? Um, Honestly, I honestly think, I'm going to be honest. I think the movie does a pretty good job at following this book. There's a lot of times where you watch movies and it's just like all wrong, like, that wasn't even the same color as the cat. Like, yeah. that's wrong. Like, I remember watching Hunger Games. And it was just all yeah. all over the place. But they they do a good job. They don't put certain things in there in the movie, probably for time reasons and how you said it could be controversial. Um, but I think they do a good job. So I think they'd probably be the same. But my favorite part is when he meets his friends. Mm-hmm. Because he enters, you know, high school year. He has no friends. You know, he kind of has, like, not anger issues, but... He, his brother taught him to protect himself, and so someone was picking on him, and he punches him, beats what him up in the his throat and like knees or something. Yeah, yeah, and he took him out. He took this kid out, and and thankfully, um, he didn't get in trouble because uh, another student spoke up and said this was self defense. Mm-hmm. And but he 
Charlie thinks, oh, this might be my friend because he stuck up for me. But in reality, he was just being a good guy. And so Charlie, ever since Michael passed, you know, he doesn't seem to have any friends. He's kind of has a hard time. He's a sensitive boy. And so he doesn't really fit in that much. Yeah. And so I loved when he meets kind of like the two other main characters in this, which is Patrick and Sam. Um, And he first notices Patrick when he's in their wood shop, right? Their wood shop. Yeah. And everybody calls him nothing. Like, they're like, oh, hey, nothing. Hey, nothing. <laughs> and then he really thought his name was nothing. He's yeah. like, I met this guy. He's so cool. His name's nothing. His name is literally nothing. <laughs> but in reality, his name is Patrick. And he sees Patrick at a football game who is, you know, just cheering on this other guy named Brad, which we could talk about more later. But then he's sitting next to a really pretty girl, and her name is Sam. And you could tell right off the bat, even just by the way that they're writing, that Charlie is just kind of taken aback. Crushing hard. Come on. He sees Sam. He's like, this is a beautiful <laughs> woman. But also, I that was one moment where I was like, I do remember the difference in the movie because they talk about her having this, like, super, super long mm. brown hair yeah. and, I was, and green eyes and stuff. I was like, Emma Watson? Has a pixie. She had a pixie cut. Pixie. Okay. Which, also, which was, was also beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. She looks beautiful. She's so crazy. good but call. Also, I was like, okay, that was a change. That was a change. <laughs> I got what I remembered. Yeah. And I just love how like, even though like for some reason he was just like, hey, I, I know you. It was kind of out of Charlie's comfort zone to be like, I know you. You're like in my shop class. And they start talking and that he noticed that they were actually talking to him. And then they took him out to the restaurant Big Boy, which Big Boy. Do you remember Big Boy? No. Big Boy's a real place. What? Yeah, Big Boy's like a burger joint. Oh, you know what though? This isn't. This is like from your area. This is set in your area. Yeah, like your old hometown. Yeah, I was in. This was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm. I grew up Pittsburgh. In I grew up. Not even. I grew up literally 45 minutes from Pittsburgh, and then I went to college in Pittsburgh. See, that's crazy. But no, Big Boy is not a thing in Arizona. Yeah. So Big Boy, <laughs> Big Boy. If you don't know what Big Boy is, it's this restaurant where literally it's so funny because you drive up there and there's a legit Big Boy. Like it's like a. <laughs> I hate that. It's like a sculpture, but like it's animated and it's this this Big Boy. And it's like probably like I'm not lying, like 15 feet tall. I hate this. And he's holding a burger. I'm uncomfy. Yeah. So <laughs> the big boy is a burger restaurant. They take him, Sam and Patrick take him to the big boy. And what he loves about this is that they seem to be intrigued with him. Yeah, and like they're asking genuinely questions. Genuinely like him. Yeah. They're asking him questions. They want to know about him. So honestly, that's probably one of my favorite parts because I'm like, these people are genuine. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um Sorry, this is a long answer. No, and then, I love it. <laughs> Literally, I mean, it's helpful because it's like talking about so many. I mean, I didn't know that about the big boy. Yeah. To be honest with you. What's your favorite part? Oh, <laughs> I mean, my favorite part, I think. Hmm. I mean, I loved I think I loved so much the dynamic between Bill, the teacher, mm. his English teacher and him, because he soon bill is like his um freshman english teacher and he kind of realizes that charlie is like really gifted Mm -hmm. in understanding literature and reading and so it's there's kind of all these mentions of books throughout this book which i loved i was Mm -hmm. like that's so meta like i was like mention all books like i love it and so i think i love that dynamic because as it goes through the story you start to see that he like charlie looks up to bill and because Bill's actually quite young, he has a girlfriend and he's doing his teaching there for one year in Pittsburgh and then he's moving to New York and he's going to go do something else. So yeah. it's kind of like they kind of mentioned that because I think to show just like how 
um, Charlie starts to look up to him and he views him more as like a mentor and a friend. And as it goes throughout the book, I mean, it even ends with kind of Bill saying like, I just need you to know, like he's going to move on um, from teaching because at the end of it, it's like at the end of Charlie's mm-hmm. freshman year. And so Bill's going to go to New York with his girlfriend. And he's like, I need you to absolutely hear me that you are gifted yeah. and smart and actually insanely good with literature and you understand it really well and I think you should hear that like I don't know if anyone's told you that you need to hear that and so I think I just loved all like the little instances of like I think it's just really sweet when some like a teacher or someone older is like really invested in someone younger and they want to see them thrive and so he all those little references of just like him giving him books and them kind of going back and forth I just thought that was like really sweet and wholesome and yeah I liked it also because he with each book he made him write an essay mm-hmm. and then he would grade the essay which like technically didn't really count because yeah. it was extra work mm-hmm. but he would still do it to push charlie to try to show that like he could do better mm-hmm. and i just find it so interesting because at least in my school and if you're from my school and you're a teacher my bad but i the only <laughs> this is other, not your podcast this is not your podcast <laughs> um there was only ever a few teachers that i felt super connected with and i mean i was all about music so it was the music and drama teachers that really stuck out to me and felt like the teachers that went above and beyond but i was in a type of school where everybody else honestly i was like why are you a teacher yeah you do not care like they genuinely i felt like woke up to like want to make a kid's oh. life more miserable because so I know and it's sad because like the last like you never know what's going on in a child's yeah. life and then they go to the school which could be a safe haven for them because it's a break from home and it's just another place where they get crapped on and so like every time like I remember about this character Bill and how he was so caring to yeah. Charlie I I was just like, that is so nice and refreshing because I know there's people out there who are teachers that care about their job and care about their students. So it's nice to be reminded. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's not where I came from. And I yeah. came from Pittsburgh <laughs> where this is written. So I don't know what type. Good for you, Bill. <laughs> oh, Bill, we love you. Um, okay. What was some of your, what was your like least favorite moment? Mm. Like maybe not like most uncomfortable, but just like least favorite. You're like, Ugh. yeah, didn't love that. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, so I'm going to go back to Patrick um, and just describe him a little bit more. So Patrick is, he is a gay boy. I'll say boy because they're in high school. Yeah. He's a boy. He's a boy. He's not a man (laughs) yet. He's a boy. Um, And he. Although, wait, pause. Do you think seniors are 17 going on You're a young adult. Well, I'm just saying, I think later this will be really important or maybe in what you're going to discuss. But we, we think that Charlie is 15. Yes. And these guys are, or the, his two friends, Sam and Patrick, are seventeen, mm-hmm. seventeen, eighteen. Honestly, yeah, I would 18, say, yeah, okay, okay, because they're seniors in high school, yeah. and I turned eighteen in, in, as my senior year okay. of high school. All right, cool. And so they, I they think it's do, ha- yeah, it is important because they have this like age gap, and because of that age gap, they introduce a lot of things to Charlie that he probably wouldn't know unless he was that age. Mm-hmm. So he probably finds out about a lot of things sooner than others would, honestly. But Patrick, he, um, he. Labels himself as gay, which is also funny because when they were at Big Boy past my last thing, he was looking at Sam and he's like, she's just so beautiful. But I and I would love to ask her out one day. But he thought that Sam was dating Patrick. And he's like, I would not mind, though, like if I was only her friend, because at least she's dating someone as nice as Patrick. And so he asked them, he's like, you know, what's you know, how long has been dating? And Patrick's like, are you kidding me? Like they're laughing. He's like, I'm her brother yeah. you know I almost said sister there he's like I heard brother and they're like they were step brother and sister and all that but so Patrick I forgot that 
Yeah, they're siblings and they live in the same household. I literally his dad married her that. mom. Yeah. Goodbye. All right. Anyways, but yeah, so they're siblings, which is kind of cool too because like you never see that sibling dynamic, but they were step siblings, so I think it makes it a little bit easier as well. But my least favorite moment is Patrick, we mentioned before, is cheering on this guy named Brad who is in the football league. He's basically one of the popular kids. Um, He's a jock. He is a jock, which if you're a jock, we love you. It's fine. Not all jocks are the same. No. Not all the, true. We will break that stereotype right now, okay? Not all jocks Me are the same. the stereotype. No, no, like, no, no. No, no, we will break that down. It's 2022, baby. Um, but basically, Brad is also, he's secretly gay. That's what, you know, mm-hmm. that's what he claims to be. And um, But nobody else knows it besides Patrick and a few of his friends. And later kind of on in the story, you see that Brad and him um, get together quite a few times, um, but it's always secretive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was one time when they were getting together and Brad's dad had found them. Mm-hmm. This is one of my least favorite moments because I think no matter what a child is doing, I don't believe in like abuse, number no. one. I don't. I believe in grace. I believe in all of that. And so it's just like it was it was hard to read because then Brad gets beaten by his dad. And I I remember reading that Patrick was like kind of watching it all happen and wanted to be like, stop beating him. Like, I think you're killing him. Like It was just kind of very graphic, um, which also just kind of shows us like how some people like when they come out or when things found out how they might be treated. Um, But what I didn't like about that wasn't actually even that part. It's when Patrick is so worried about this guy. He's like, is he okay? Hadn't been to school in like two weeks. And he goes like into the lunchroom and steps out of his comfort zone and actually goes up to Brad because the rule was that he wasn't even allowed to talk to Brad in school. Nobody wanted he Brad did not want them to be associated with one Mm -hmm. another at all. And Brad starts calling him mean names. And um, and Patrick, rightfully so, he gets mad. He gets mad because he's like, we've been loving each other for so many years. Basically, like, two years, I think, something like that. And he's like, and now, like, and I genuinely care about you. You were just beaten by your dad, and now you're being mean to me because you're still so afraid of, like, what other people might think, whether they agree or disagree. And so then all his friends start beating on him in the cafeteria. Yeah, it's so... Ugh. And by him, I mean Patrick. Mm-hmm. Brad's friends are beating on him, mm-hmm. and Brad just kind of lets them do it. Yeah. So and then th- until until Charlie steps in, mm. and then that's the whole thing, too. It's like, it's just, it's so saddening because they're both... I mean, Patrick went out of his comfort zone to say, like, I'm going to go up to Brad in public at school and ask if he's fine. And mm-hmm. at school, it was like, oh, you guys shouldn't even be in the same circles. You yeah. guys don't even talk. Like, And so I think for Brad to be watching the person that was so close to him getting literally beat up in front of him. Yeah. And then Charlie had to step in and start fighting. And later, Brad says to Charlie, like, privately, thank you for stopping them. But he didn't stop them. Yeah. Like, he could have done something. And I think it just is another, like, reminder of how how much young people feel peer pressure and how mm. much young people are so aware of how they're perceived. Yeah. And I think to the point where they wouldn't stand up or stop someone they genuinely care about yeah. for how it appeared. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And I think it's just so hard because I think some kids, not all kids, obviously, some kids are raised with kind of that more like parents instilling confidence in who they are um, and what actually matters. And they have that ability to kind of 
tune out what's going on around or they have that ability to kind of say okay you guys all might be doing this but i don't need to do this mm-hmm. or you guys all might think this way but that's okay if i don't yeah. um but i think yeah that made me honestly so mad to just be like really peer pressure like yeah. you are literally letting this guy that you claim to care about get beaten in front of you at school yeah. and it's just yeah it's just so lame honestly like were you how were you in high school did you get So, um, yeah, that's that was my high school experience. I always forget you that you read that. That you were homeschooled. I know. So what how do you, do you feel about reading books like this when you hear about because I can testify, like not every school is like this, mm-hmm. but it's it's it hits pretty close. Yeah. I don't know. I think I have anytime I watch like shows or movies or anything that was set in a high school kind of setting. High school musical doesn't count by the way. <laughs> Ain't nobody singing. I think I would. Besides the drama kids, I would kids. never want to go to high school if that was truly representative of high Honestly, school. Honestly, the drama kids, because I was one. Okay, we are I mean, in the back go off. singing. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Literally singing, hyping up what's going on at school. <laughs> this is not what I okay. want. Sorry. <laughs> Ew. No. <sighs> no. I think. I mean, I always. I. I think the thing that I believed most about high school to be true from what I saw portrayed was just like that you can there's cliques and people can be mean and there's just a lot of peer pressure and it can be really uncomfortable. But I also thought like whenever I watch movies or shows or anything set in a high school setting, I also recognized I was like, this is a show this is a movie that's Mm. representing so just kind of like movies try to heighten things like they try to take if they take a sad situation they make it really sad if they take a happy situation they make it really happy like so i i think i just kind of was like well i don't really i don't know what it's like and that's fine i mean my parents were also super like very strict and rigid with when it came to uh my education so Mm. i felt like it was representative of what kid when I would talk to other kids in high school, it felt similar, like subjects we were going through, how even my day was structured. Like, I but I do think, I mean, I obviously didn't go to mm-hmm. high school, so I, I don't know what that experience was like, but I also felt like, at least from a from an educational standpoint, I don't feel like it was incredibly different. I felt like actually it was like more emphasis on yeah. school, but I do think like the socialness of it, I mean, we got that in other ways. My parents were really, really great about like. We got jobs and we did like swim teams and uh, piano lessons and guitar. And we would like do all these random things outside of our school that I felt like I got that kind of social aspects. Like I was in plays. I don't yeah. even think, you know, I was like in plays. Okay, literally. Ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And so I think that part felt I don't I think if we didn't have any of that, then I would have been like, I don't know what a high school looks like. Or yeah. what, you know, so I think it was like. A good mix. But I think reading this, I mean, it just makes me, I think it mostly just makes me so sad that I think a lot of kids just feel unseen and that they can't, they that they have to buckle under peer pressure. I think that's what just got me so much is like my parents were really good about helping us figure out how to think for ourselves. And as in like anybody could say something to you and you can learn any piece of new information but you have to pause and think about what you're going to do with that before you accept it. So mm-hmm. like whether it's people's opinions or whether it's literally information, whether it's like science or school or whatever, 
that doesn't mean you have to accept that or think about that or, you know, you can like put in a little holding area. And so I think for these, when I read about this, like all these kids, it just seems like, yeah, just very easy to be, I don't know, influenced and just feel confused and very impressionable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of, kind of sad. Yeah. But I think, um, I think it's a really, I get why it can be seen as controversial if you have a young person read this. Mm. Because I think one of the reasons that this book was so popular is one, the writing style. I mean, it's really beautiful. Like I underlined a bunch of lines and I was like, wow, this is extremely insightful. And I think obviously that's the author speaking through Charlie. But I think, so it's very insightful and a lot of good writing. But I think it's controversial because if you give this to 14, 15 year old, yeah. I mean, they're learning about a lot of themes that, while maybe true and relevant and things that they might have gone through, I don't necessarily know if you need to be reading that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, What scene did you feel like stuck with you the most? I know you kind of talked about some of your favorite and least favorite, but was there a scene that like really, I know mine. You go for it because I know, I know you want to say it. The moment when Charlie <laughs> kissed Sam instead of Mary Elizabeth. He had a girlfriend, y'all, in case you okay, didn't know. <laughs> I'm going to back that story up because to me that was a – I forgot. I forgot the movie. Yeah. So basically Charlie is dating this girl called Mary Elizabeth. She's loosely in the friend group. She was kind of more outside the friend group, gets closer in as the story goes on. So as they go through freshman year. And she's just a very like – at the start when, when he's – First, kind of getting to know her, he, she seems interesting and kind of mysterious and a little bit like elusive and just he's intrigued by her. But she's also very easy to talk to. She's extremely talkative. So he kind of loves that because he's very introverted and he's more reflective. And so it's kind of great. And it it feels like they almost accidentally start dating. Like he doesn't realize that they just start dating. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt when I was reading. I'm like, he's just along for the ride. They portray that in the movie as well. Okay. They do? Yeah, because he asks her out, right? She asks him out to a dance, uh-huh. and that's how it all starts. And he says yes, and so they go to the dance together, and then they go back home, and they're kind of like, she's Ooh, like, do you want to kiss me? And he's like, mm, no. And she's like, <laughs> okay, well, maybe we can go out again, which is different from the movie, by the way. she They go back to her parents' house after the dance. In the movie? In the movie, okay. yeah. And she's basically, like, kissing all up on him, and he's kissing her back, and she, like, is trying to get him to get her take her dress off and stuff like that. And that's when he's like, he's like, mm, I don't know. And then her parents come home. Oh. And she goes, oh, my parents are coming home. Zip me up, blah, blah, blah. And But while they're cuddling after that, she goes, I'm so glad that you're my boyfriend now. <gasps> and he goes, what? <laughs> he's so, at me, who? Yeah. Well, yeah, and I just thought, so basically, he he's just kind of along for the ride with this relationship. It just feels very weird, which is a whole other part because he cannot speak up for himself he cannot stand up because he's just so grateful to have friends he's so grateful to have a girlfriend he he i mean he's 15 that's fine but also he cannot speak up for himself and so the the longer he's with her the more he starts to resent her because he's basically feels like she changed as they start dating because he's like well she's just like every other girl like she's not that deep she's not that interesting and but he doesn't say anything to her, and he doesn't he doesn't communicate that he outwardly looks like he is happily dating her. Mm-hmm. So then there's this party scene, okay, where they're all at I think Patrick's house or Sam's. I don't know. They're at someone's house. It's at Sam. It's it's at 
Peter's house? Oh, maybe. It's at one of the friends' It's a friend's house. Yeah. And... Basically, they're playing truth or dare all night long. And Charlie's like, there, there, there. He's like, I am not saying the truth. I'm not getting a truth question. So it asked me about her. He dare and all night long. So then finally, Patrick goes, okay, I dare you to kiss the prettiest girl in the room. Wait, pause. Okay. Wait, no, you say what happens okay. and then we'll say. He says, I dare you to kiss the prettiest girl in the room. Charlie stands up. Meanwhile, his girlfriend, Mary Elizabeth, is sitting right next to him. He stands up, crosses the room. And kisses Sam. Okay, pause. I'm I dead. <laughs> I, I read that and I shut the book. Because I forgot. I forgot that was in the movie. And if you just imagine yourself in that scenario. I, look, I wouldn't even know what to do. I honestly, I think I would laugh because I'd be uncomfortable. I'd be like, we were in a room of our friends. Oh, yeah. Maybe I would you laugh. Imagine. Can you imagine? You're one of your. There's a couple. They're like seemingly in love, seemingly happy. The dude gets up, walks across the room, and kisses it. And, and meanwhile, Sam actually is dating a guy. Sam's dating a guy named Craig. Yeah. He walks up, crosses the room, kisses another girl. So, you know what's crazy? Okay, this is why I said pause. Because mm-hmm. in the movie, and I remember this distinctly, so if I'm wrong, Mandela effect, bro. Okay? Because <laughs> Mandela. In, Mandela effect. Okay. Because in the movie, what happens is it starts off when he gets dared to kiss the prettiest girl in the room. He turns. Oh, starts. No, it's just, oh, I'm just saying, oh, like, in the movie. See, see, I'm just saying the part like, in the movie. No, 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 no. Okay. Just in the movie when this is happening and he gets dared by Patrick to kiss the prettiest girl in the room, he turns and he kisses Mary Elizabeth. And they in have, the like, movie? in the movie. But then they do one of those things where it was, like, more like he was imagining it. <gasps> like, one of those scenes where it's, like, back up. That's not actually what really happened. And then he gets up and they're like, Charlie, Charlie. Like, it's as if he was imagining doing the right thing. And then, like, Charlie kissed the prettiest girl in the room. And Mary Elizabeth is still sitting there waiting to be like, mm, he's going to kiss me. And then Sam isn't actually across the room. He's on the other, next to her on the other side. And he leans over and kisses her instead. That is next level. And it, I remember it killing me because I was like, that's so interesting that he kissed Mary Elizabeth. But, like, okay. And he, they're like, JK, he actually kissed Sam. I, it was killer. Oh honestly it's like the it is such a turning point for the book mm-hmm. because then basic i mean it, oh, it was just insane but that scene stuck with me because i just something about the way it was written the way it, just what it was mm-hmm. is so it's just insane <laughs> like i couldn't imagine that happening in our friend group or just in any friend group or and then i think it also broke my heart because i was like he he basically was like i cannot lie yeah but I was like, you picked that moment the to worst. be honest. You've been dating this girl for weeks. You've been dating her for months. And then you're like, I'm going to tell everybody right now and her at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly not even sure if it was a really a conscious decision. I think it's something that his body just did. Because naturally, like the reason why he it's not that he didn't like Mary Elizabeth as a friend, but she did talk about a lot of things that could be deep, but she never included him in on it. She right. just wanted to talk. And so she would, ne- she, the only question she ever asked him was like, what's up? What you do? Okay, now it's my turn. And she, so that's one thing that annoyed him. He's like, what about me? But like, like the scene where he literally was on the phone with her and he goes to the bathroom and then comes back and she's, and she's still, still talking. Yeah. And he's like, and I know that was wrong of me, but like, dang, like yeah. she just keeps talking. <laughs> but that just once again shows how you said that he doesn't know how to stick up for himself. Mm-hmm. And he waits till the worst moment. And that actually happens before, you know, 
Patrick and the whole Brad thing because then Patrick's like, I think it'd be best if you stay away for, for a while. Yeah, basically the friend group kind of implodes yeah. a little bit because, I mean, Sam's super upset at him for doing that because mm-hmm. she's good friends with Mary Elizabeth and Mary Elizabeth is obviously crush and everyone's just like, this is so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so basically then Patrick or um, Charlie gets kind of sent away from the friend group for weeks. Yeah. And it's kind of on his own. Sends him kind of in a little bit, like a spiral, honestly. Yeah, and that's kind of when you learn that he's been seeing a psychiatrist um, because he kind of talks about like, well, the only person I can talk to is my psychiatrist, which also I didn't, I was like, what is the difference between a psychiatrist and a therapist? Mm. So I looked it up and it says, a therapist is a licensed counselor or a psychologist, which also, again, I was like, well, what the frick is the difference mm-hmm. between a therapist and psychologist? But whatever. Um is a licensed counselor or psychologist who can use talk therapy to help you treat mental health symptoms and improve how you manage stress in relationships. A psychiatrist is a medical doctor who can diagnose and prescribe medication yeah. to treat mental health disorders. So the therapist is kind of more towards symptoms, talk therapy, and managing stress in relationships. And a psychiatrist is an actual doctor diagnose prescribes disorders Mm -hmm. so just a little bit next level because i was like well what's the difference between because i mean therapy is so it's so so widely talked about now Mm -hmm. it wasn't as much in the 90s like i feel like it was kind of that talk was coming out more Mm -hmm. but i was in the past 10 years therapy has become super widely talked about and accepted and and de-stigmatized um but basically so he's seeing a next level therapist and i was like okay so you kind of learn that He's been seeing this psychiatrist because of situations that happened with his aunt Helen. And so you don't really know, though, what's going on, because the kind of the only time he talks about his psychiatrist is after he kind of gets put on pause with his friend group. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, my psychiatrist is the only person I can talk to. But all he wants to do is ask me these weird questions about my childhood. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of not really connected any of the dots. He's not really Feeling he doesn't understand maybe why some of his anxiety, his um, disassociative behaviors, his isolative kind of tendencies, he has not connected that yeah. with what's going on in his psychiatrist's office. Which Aunt Helen, because we haven't even introduced, introduced mm-hmm. Aunt Helen yet. Mm-hmm. Aunt Helen's his aunt. <laughs> Surprise. Basically, Aunt Helen is his mom's sister. Um, and she moved in with them um, about two months before she actually passed away. And it was because of something that happened to her, trigger warning. She was molested by somebody close mm-hmm. in her family. And her family, her dad in particular, did not believe her because yeah. it was such a close family friend. And so after this had happened to his Aunt Ellen, she moves in and she kind of just helps take care of the kids. Um, whenever his parents want to go out and game nights and stuff like that, she watches the kids. And for the most part throughout the book, she seems like someone that is very special to Charlie. And it kind of goes weaves in and out of different stories of how she was one of the main people that really said that she loved him or called him special. And another reason why he was seeing the this psychiatrist was because he really blamed himself for her death. Because what he knew and that others didn't is that when she went out uh, driving that day, which is how she passed away in an accident, was that she was out getting him a birthday gift because for some reason she always wanted to get him two birthday gifts. 
because she thought he was extra special. She loved him. Um, and then he would say, if she would only, if she only needed to just get me one gift, if I wasn't, you know, born on the year, well, at the time of the season where there's snow on the ground. And if I wasn't, you know, then maybe Aunt Helen would be here. And so that's kind of why it all starts because after Aunt Helen dies, he really kind of just loses his way. And then all these things come out about him not knowing how to handle things. Because we were talking earlier about how he cries so much and not really knowing mm-hmm. why but it's because he's got all these built-up things and even memories that he hasn't even unlocked yet yeah yeah that was definitely something that kind of threw me off is i was like he cries so much like all throughout the book there's references to him crying to him and crying to him crime and i think it kind of culminates like this the big part of this book is it's going through his freshman year but all of his friends senior year which i thought was really interesting everybody he was closest to was seniors So basically, as the book is getting closer to the end, all of his friends are getting ready to move away, go to college. So you kind of sense him like getting more and more anxious, rising in panic a little bit more. He starts smoking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he just kind of you can kind of sense the book is kind of ramping up to some kind of culmination. And basically it the big part of this book ends with He's always had this crush on Sam, like, the whole time. And you mentioned that at the beginning. He's always kind of had this crush on her, but she's a senior, and he's a freshman, and all that. And, and so, she had a boyfriend. Yeah. And so, finally, at, the, like, the very end of the book, her boyfriend, they break up, and it's at the very end of the school season. And she essentially asks him, like, why did you never ask me out? Why were you never honest? Why did you never say anything? And he's like a kid, which I just think, again, is inappropriate. I just cannot mm-hmm. imagine me as an 18-year-old girl talking to a 15-year-old boy. I just, I mean, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you could be incredibly mature. And I know that people have those, like, age gap relationships. I think that's just hard in high school and especially knowing his personality. And she knew him so well. She mm-hmm. knew all these things about him. But anyway, she basically kind of instates this conversation of, I think her goal was to get him to be more honest yeah. and be like, Charlie, you can't just sit on the sidelines and pretend to be happy for other people or pretend to want things for other people that you don't really want. You have to be honest and you have to speak up for yourself, mm-hmm. which I think was her goal with it. But then it essentially ends with like they start kissing and things get kind of heavy. And basically he all of a sudden shuts down. Mm-hmm. He kind of is like, I don't want to do this. And she's like, that's okay. But he's really reacting strongly. Yeah. Like for a, for a boy that has crushed on this girl for a year, he's mm-hmm. now going to be 16, I guess. Yeah, he's going to be yeah. turning 16. He's crushed on this girl all year. And so for all of a sudden for him to shut down, close off like that, super strange. And so basically... He even talks to himself being like, why am I shutting down? Mm-hmm, I want this. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like he didn't want it. Yeah. And so then he gets a memory, mm-hmm. a flash memory of his aunt. Mm-hmm. Being inappropriate with him. Mm-hmm. And basically, as if you're reading this for the first time or watching, it like unlocks yeah. his whole past, his whole everything you've been reading. Like, because he was abused as a child and he starts to recognize that. He starts to realize that. So then the epilogue of the book, which, again, I just read two minutes before this. <laughs> but the epilogue of the book talks about how he had been in the hospital for two months. Yeah. So all of his friends graduate, everything, and then boom, he gets in the hospital because he's basically traumatized. Yeah. And he's going into shock of understanding what had happened to him growing up. Yeah, because after 
after the whole situation with Sam happens, Sam's like, I don't want you to drive home. It's 2 a.m. So just sleep here. And so when he falls asleep, that's he kind of when that memory kind of kicks back in, he has a dream of it. Um, and they're watching TV. And that's when his aunt is like hurting him. And then he wakes back up and like feels a little bit better, but then starts to feel sick again. And he goes home and he's just out of it. He's out of it to the point where his parents come home and find him. And he's completely naked on the couch. And he says that he's watching TV, but the TV's not actually on. And so he's kind of going in and out of like memories and like he his body doesn't know how to respond because number one, it's probably world crushing to this whole entire time you're remembering your Aunt Helen as someone that loved you so very much. And then out of nowhere, you're like, wait, she was hurting me. Like I and I he pushed it down so far to the point that he forgot. And so that's kind of when they took him to the hospital. And that's why he was like there for the two months. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's such a deep book. It's really well-written. It's really crazy. I think I get why it's so controversial. Mm-hmm. I think now, like, I'm imagining this was, this came out in 1999, but I'm imagining it being released now, and mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine it would be received so, like, shockingly. Mm-hmm. I think even in the past, like, 15 years, like, 20 years, times of change where this would be more unfortunately normalized as far as like themes in a good way i guess it's like a good and a bad thing of like these kinds of themes being discussed more openly because i think it is really important to talk about these things because i think also young people need to recognize like when behaviors are inappropriate not appropriate and when and when you're struggling with mental health what that means and you should talk about it and you know so i think some of these things are really important and freaking seniors introducing freshmen to think you know like i think it is important to know kind of to talk about it to understand to be more aware of things but then also i think like if i gave i can never imagine giving this to a 14 or 15 year old Mm. i just don't think i could do that because i'm like it robs you of a lot of innocence like it robs you of a lot like once you start reading and learning and going through life once you start learning about different situations that make the world unfortunately hard and sad and broken you can't unlearn that you can't go back from learning that and so i get why this was so controversial but i also get why it was so popular like it i mean it's really well written it's really beautiful there's a lot of one-liners like i like this one where it said I think the idea is that every person has to live for his or her own life and then make the choice to share it with other people. Mm. I was like, that's so beautiful of like, yeah, you can't live for other people. You can't live to just please other people. You have to live for the life that you want to choose, the life that you want to have. And then you choose to share that with other people. You bring other people into it. So, yeah, I think it was really good. I mean, on a scale of one to five, Mar, where would you place this Mm. book? I guess, and as it compares to the movie, if you want. Yeah. Um, I would say I think I liked the book more than the movie. Even though I loved the movie, I genuinely was like, oh, my gosh, that's the five. Yeah. Um, But I, I'll give, I think I'll give the book, I think I'll give the book a five. Yeah. Just because um, you get to see more of Charlie and more of his family, even some things that we didn't even get into. So if you guys want to read it for yourself, there's still Plenty of surprises, mm-hmm. but I, I, I liked that. And then also just as a person, like, I don't, I also don't know if I would recommend it to someone like at this age, because even myself at this age, 
even in a lot of books that we've already done, I've gone through a lot of these things that like they're going through and you are so impressionable and like your environment does matter. And so me reading this, going through similar things as a child, if I would have read this, yeah, it might have helped me not feel so alone, but I think it might have triggered even other things of like how I was supposed to respond because also not everybody responds the same to trauma. And so even though you might have experienced the same type of trauma, how it affects you is just different. And so I feel like I, as an impressionable teenager, I'd have been like, oh, I'm supposed to respond this way. Kind of tricking your body, tricking your mind, thinking like, oh, I need to shut down. And sometimes that's just what happens. But other times with me personally, with my own trauma, I didn't really like shut down. I probably handled it better than people thought that I would have. And so I think that's kind of the dangers of this book of getting this into a young person's hand and having impressionable mind. They might think that it has to be done a certain way, but that's not true. And so, but at the same time, it's like, but it raised awareness because unfortunately you're right. Like this stuff happens in a lot of families and a lot of people don't talk about it. And so it might give somebody the courage to be like, hey, this is happening to me. But I just don't want someone to think that the outcome will be the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't yeah. know. Would you think that this is like a junior, senior kind of read? Like when would you feel comfortable to like give this book to your kid? Or would you ever? Man, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I as a as a mother now, it's hard. It's yeah. really hard because a lot of the things that I said I would let my kids do before or even be like, my parents don't get it. I'll let my children do. You know, you become a mother and you're like, mm, maybe I won't. <laughs> maybe I won't let them do that because they're so yeah. impressionable. And you just yep. get older and you're like, man, like it really does matter. And I loved how you said about like keeping the innocence mm-hmm. because in today's society, everybody's like, well, they're going to learn sometimes. So they might as well learn this way. And it's like, yeah, but I don't think that should come from other people. I think that should come from parents. And obviously not everybody has a good set of parents. So I think it's wonderful when there's a teacher like Bill in the story who's able to kind of help guide and things like that. But for the most part, it's just I feel like it really is the parents job to like help them keep their innocence as long as they can, because I wish I was more innocent Like in high school, it's like, why? You have the rest of your life to know all these like crazy things and bad things and good things about the world. It's like you don't need to know right away. So, man, I don't I might give it to a senior. Okay, like a senior read senior class. You got to write an essay afterwards about it Mm -hmm. and be like and ask them, like, have you experienced this stuff before? You know, what was your high school experience? Is this realistic for your life or is it not? But I don't think I would give it to anybody younger. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel, honestly. And I think, obviously, I think everyone's experience is, like you're saying, so different. Everyone grows up differently. You have different parents. You have different siblings. You have different experiences completely. And so I can see how for someone like a senior, maybe this book is, maybe they've already experienced so much of this mm-hmm. book or they, they're like, this is nothing, unfortunately. You know what I mean? Or, and you might have a senior that's like, I have never heard about some of these things for the first, this is that the first time I'm hearing yeah. about some of these, but I agree. I don't, I couldn't imagine giving this a younger person because, and I think that's why it's so controversial, but I think for me, definitely a five for mm-hmm. the book, as far as a reading, I, I think it's, it's just really, really well written. And I like the format. I like the letters, even though it was freaking confusing yeah. sometimes, but I liked the format. I thought the characters are really well-rounded. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes there's books where 
even like the kind of minor characters like Mary Elizabeth, I'm like, it's or Peter or whatever. I think sometimes it's hard to feel like you can root for anyone or know any of them because there's too many or they don't give them enough character. They don't kind of show them enough, whatever. I thought it was really good. And I get, I think the themes, it's like, yeah, I mean, we're going to pick some lighter books. Like we're going to pick <laughs> some fun books. But I do think it's so hard because yeah. when you are an adult and you are reading good literature, like I know this, I don't know if this... This is not technically YA fiction. Like, this is not young adult. But when you are reading, like, adult fiction or you're reading nonfiction or memoirs, I think, unfortunately, you are going to have a lot of deeper themes that Mm -hmm. are maybe harder to discuss. So it's kind of just tricky because I'm curious of, like, there's a lot of books we want to read this coming year. And so I'm curious how many of them deal with those and how many of them don't like i think it actually maybe we'll maybe we'll read this book but daisy jones and the six i don't know if you read that one but but i don't think it dealt with so many dark themes but it is an adult fiction and it's really interesting so i'm like i wonder i guess just how many books can be so amazing without dealing with that um you know i think it just depends but yeah i think i i would recommend it in this like in the sense that i think it expands your perspective mm. on experiences of other people. I think good books do that. I think yeah. they help you realize like, oh, there's so many types of experiences. There's so many kinds of things people walk through. So I think in that regards, like I would recommend and, and I love the writing. Again, I underlined so much. So mm. but again, it's just like it's you've just got to give it with like a big old warning over the front yeah. that it'll make you sad. Like at sometimes, you know. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. And I love how you said about like the perspectives, because I think that's one reason why I would give it to seniors like in high school is to like it showed so many different perspectives of different type of stereotypes, like even like the jock, like did not come from a good home and probably had all this pressure. to. He did have all this pressure to look a certain way. And so it's like even the people that might seem the coolest to you, like in your schools, if you're younger listening to this or in your workplace, if you're older, it's like you might have an assumption about them by the way that they look or the way that they dress or the way that they talk. But at the end of the day, you never really know who somebody is because only that person knows, you know, and God, because I believe in that, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. at the end of the day, um, you don't get to see what happens when they go home. Mm-hmm. You don't get to see who they're married to, their kids, what they're going through, you know, or if you're in high school, like your best friend, sometimes you don't even know what that person's going through. And so if don't treat people poorly, if you wouldn't want to be treated that way, I think that's the biggest thing is that especially in high school, it was so easy to kind of treat people poorly off of your assumptions. And then you later find out when it's too late, when somebody commits suicide, when you find out that they have been being hurt at home, that you're like, oh, wow, I had no idea. It's like, well, then don't do something based off of something you have no idea about, you know? Period. Done. Per. I love that. No, I think that's the perfect place to end this on. Hey. Yeah. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Novelty Podcast. Let us know the books that you're interested in us reading, talking about. Um, go on our Instagram to get a little sneak peek about what we're going to read next week if you want to read along. And if you are screaming at us with your thoughts, just put them in the comments, in the comments. or put them on our Instagram, DM us. Um, but yeah, we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.